You are listening to It's Midnight Somewhere with DJs Mistress McCutcheon and The Wasteland. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. It's midnight somewhere. Hi, this is Mistress McCutcheon, and of course, I am with The Wasteland, and today we're going to be chatting with our friend Kevin Matthews, who's joining us via Zencaster through uh, the miracles of technology from London, England. Kevin Matthews is a musician as well as a label owner of the boutique label Transmissions. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, how you doing? Good afternoon. So... To kick off, I wanted to give our listeners a little bit of background, uh, because when I had first met you, it was when you were here playing with Sex Gang Children in 2013, and we've kept in touch since, and you've been involved in all sorts of different musical projects. If I'm remembering correctly, Rude Mechanicals and The Unstoppable Achievers. Can you talk a little bit about musically what you've been up to these days? Wow, seven years. Is it really 2013? Yes. Oh my gosh. I've uh, I've got the um, the cabaret poster on my wall. I was just looking at it from where I'm sat because um, my eyesight is failing. I can't quite see the date. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Joys of getting old, isn't it? Right, well, fortunately, just before lockdown, I, I had actually spent quite a bit of time with Andy, which was nice. I hadn't seen him for a while, so that was good. And I caught up with Matthew, who we um, obviously were all playing together at that time. Um, so it was nice that I caught up with those guys before lockdown anyway. And since then, I've, oh gosh, where to start music? Uh, yeah, as you quite rightly said, doing Rude Mechanicals. Unstoppables have been on the back burner a little bit of late, but I, I did see Matthew just before lockdown and spent quite a bit of time together. And that's, that's hiatus, I think, rather than, uh, I don't think there's a full stop there. And uh, there's new material in the offing. In fact, Matthew published a new song quite recently. Um, doing a band called Spew, which is kind of a um, punk funk kind of thing. Um, I was asked to join both bands at about the same, same time. Uh, two or three years ago, I, I, I'd seen both bands and uh, was um, was really into both bands, actually. And um, initially, I, particularly with Rude Mechanicals, initially I, I declined because the, the drummer they, that I'd scene with them was just so awesome i just thought i I couldn't really cover it to be quite honest uh just a guy called jonas out of tiger lilies and uh after a bit of badgering and 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 i i I decided to uh, give it a go and uh that's sort of history as they say It's in the dirt on the tracks where your guilty feet fell Time on hill, this one there's a wretched smell Just as the faithful must when you give him his woes I buried the body where the old oak grows Another glass of wine will help you now No, another glass of wine will help you now Another glass of wine will help you now around the corners and the painful colors 
guilty big foul. And another glass of wine won't help you now. No, another glass of wine won't help you now. Another glass of wine won't help you now. No, another glass of wine won't help you now. Is it So then you made this transition, or I, I can't really say it's a transition because it's not like you're not making music actively, but then you moved forward towards uh, creating a record label. And if I understand correctly, the first single that was released, A Fascist Can't Dance, was the motivation to start the label. Is that true? Yeah. Um, good good friend of ours, you are. Um, rewinding oh 17 18 20 years ago yuan uh was in a band called gosh what was the band called ah ah we'll come back to that anyway he was an old friend of carl's from when matthew and i and carl were doing dc molina and yuan had produced a single for us in the early noughties which we recorded in stockholm so I'd kind of known Yuan on and off. Helen Wills, that was the band he was in, Helen Wills. Anyway, so, um, and we kind of kept in touch since that time uh, on and off. So, yeah, I've sort of known Yuan on and off for like 20-odd uh, years. But um, a couple of years ago, um, he was DJing sort of fairly locally to me down in Hackney and, uh, and, and doing a live set. And he said, come down and do some DJing for him. So I did and saw him do his live set and, and uh, do his electronica thing. And um, I was I was really into it, and uh, like I say, he had this one particular song called "Fascists Can't Dance," um, which I really, really sort of latched onto. I thought it was brilliant, and I thought really sort of timely. And I don't know, it kind of struck me that uh, perhaps bands having a, a, an overtly political message had, had kind of gone out of fa fashion a bit or, or I don't know if it was a fashion but then bands to actually have a political stance an overt political stance on on something and it, it seemed like a you know I mean and it was a great track anyway but the fact they had that sort of really overtly political stance as well sort of interested me it, it threw me back in time to when I was sort of 17 18 and going to sort of um, rock against racism gigs and CND gigs first time I ever saw Killing Joke was at a CND gig uh, for free and it kind of threw me back a bit in time and, and I thought this is such a good thing to get involved with I really like the single uh, really like the track and uh, as you do got uh, a bit smashed with you on and uh, basically I said well I'm going to start a record label and put your record out <laughs> and I think he thought oh yeah 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 it's just uh, booze but um yeah, um, but yeah, I did. So, so what's it been like running a record label in the last couple of months? Did you have any releases you put off, or you put them out digitally? What you're doing? Well, I mean, really usefully, I, I we put a single out literally within days of lockdown. We we managed to do we did the Kamura Obscura single, and we managed to do the. Uh, Birmingham release party and uh, which was cool uh, Kamura had got herself onto a tour quite a big tour and stuff and that got cancelled we got the, the the London launch party for the single got cancelled so it was uh, it's really bad timing I mean so you know we got lots of physical products sort of knocking around we, we sold a few copies through uh, the show in Birmingham and we sold a few copies via Rough Trade but um, it wasn't everything that we'd, um, you know, wanted it to be. But um, really, the whole thing about doing transmission was about doing physical products. It was about, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing, um, you know, Bandcamp stuff and digital releases. But again, you know, I'm I'm enamoured with physical release and particularly records. Uh, I grew up with records. And, and uh, again, just that thing about 
uh, you know, giving giving bands and people the the the, the opportunity to actually make a record because um, it's it, it's quite expensive to make a record, you know. Um, but that was the aim, really, to, to be a record label in, in the real old sense of the word. You know, I, I again, like I said, I've got nothing against digital releases or CDs or, what, or or anything like that. But really, it was specifically to be a record label. So I've not really, I've not really addressed where we are at the moment. I mean, effectively, I, I'm not really, or we're not really sort of active, if you if you like, in that sense. I mean, I know. By few on and uh, Camera have been doing sort of online gigs and things like that, and we've had, I've, you know, I've had some nice contacts. I had a really nice guy, guy from Italy contact me recently. He was uh, very enamoured with the uh, Yuan. Uh, he goes under the name AM, but um, he was very into that. So I, I got a record sent out to him in uh, in Italy and stuff. So it's nice. I've got, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's nice when 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 people contact you in that sort of direct way and sort of say they really like a record. Because, again, it reminds me of me of being when I was sort of 14 and 15 and, uh, and you know, and just that getting close to the people you like or the records that you like was, um, you know, was really, uh, was really nice. Yeah. And funny enough, I had dialogue recently with an old friend of mine called Michael who's um, similar age to me and um, we were talking about the specials. And uh, I bumped off school when uh, Specials and Selector were um, touring together to go to a, a signing in South London. And that uh, was total chaos and mayhem and the window got put in at this record shop. And it was, it was absolute chaos. But to this day, I've still got a record bag that was signed by Master Specials and Selector and, and a newspaper clipping from the local rag because I'm a sad fanboy. <laughs> much like Justin. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good, you know, to get up and close. You know, it's um, it's 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 part of what what motivated me to you know to be a musician in the first place is, uh, and then to get involved in in trying to make records with people as well. It's because basically I'm because you know, basically I'm a fan. I mean, they're both both records we put out so far on transmission are just both records that I would have gone out and bought had they been available. So there's a sense in which they're both just the most expensive records I've ever bought. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I appreciate that as, as somebody who I buy physical media and I buy records specifically. But um, just to go back to something you said earlier, did you keep with the political context in the artists you brought on board or were you more open-minded into, you know, just looking for quality? Well, I, I'll be honest. I mean, it's it's you know, it's about songs and music and hooks and and just things that I grab onto. I mean, just through absolute happenstance. I mean, I didn't realise Kimura was so. Um, I mean, she's perhaps more overtly political uh, in a, in a broader sense than perhaps Yuan is. Um, I didn't realise, uh, you know, the first band she'd been in, she'd been at the very forefront of like a sort of feminism and uh, a sort of a feminist punk movement in in Japan. In uh in late seventies and early eighties, and she you know she was in um you know, a very sort of uh militant band, uh, which was one of the first things she did as a as a young girl, obviously before she was in Frank Chickens, um and so in, in that sense, I think in uh you know as in as in somebody that and again if you look at her personal posts on her Facebook page and things like that, she has great concern for. Uh, you know the political scene in Japan and the environment, and and she's you know she's perhaps in, in you know perhaps posts in a more uh, sort of regular and overt ma manner. You know she I think she's a lot more sort of political if you like than me. I was thinking about my politics earlier, and I suppose I, I was listening to a lad insane earlier today, and I was thinking about Bowie and how he never really got involved or drawn into politics. He was always very coy. Uh, about speaking about politics and, and if he was interviewed he, he he didn't tend to not to my knowledge make a much comment about sort of overtly political things and I suppose I don't really either I'm, I suppose I mean what I do know at my age is whoever's in power might I seem to pay the same tax like so I'll get given a penny on this and the penny gets taken off of that in in the broadest sense not a lot changes but I suppose, you know, uh, and again, I was thinking about sort of the Labour Party and how they've become a, a, a party of the middle now, I suppose. And I think, 
I think it'd be good. You know, somebody needs to reclaim the left because I suppose, broadly speaking, I would describe myself as a, a left of centre politically, if you like, in the broadest sense. And uh, we haven't really got a party, I suppose, over anyone that really fulfils that. I mean, I, I, for my money, I think the Labour Party should go and reclaim the left, uh, but they seem to be uh, drifting more and more to the centre, if not slightly to the right. So I, I don't know. Anyway, so I just buy Pretty Pink Records. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's a really good point to make in that, yeah, the the left or what was the left? I mean, it's the same story in the U.S. where the Democrats are really closer to the center, if not slightly over to the right, that something dramatic has to really happen nowadays. And it's proving even more and more that we're dealing with this lockdown and all the things that we need to be fixing should be attended to a, a lot of the things that people were claiming oh the socialists are like, oh it's communism or what like but these are still things that we need universal basic income is something that yeah. should be instituted no absolutely stuff like that well i mean i think the politics of the left is the politics of the humane surely it, it's the politics of being human it's it's about you know looking after the weakest member of us members of our society that's the point as a as a society that i hope so, i mean say when i was a kid again i was enthralled with star trek i mean not i wouldn't describe myself as a trekkie but in you know in the broadest sense i like sci-fi but the thing i liked about sci-fi that i found exciting was something about star trek where nobody really had a job but everybody just worked for the greater good whether it be in science or whatever part of you know, not everybody could be space travellers, but, you know, on the occasions when they back, went back to Earth, it seemed to be quite a sort of utopian existence where nobody really got paid anything, but everybody had a good standard of living and just did their part in within society. And uh, maybe that's, is that is that communist, I suppose? It seemed quite, um, seems quite good, though, like nobody actually gets paid. Uh, rather than that, you know, you do things that you want to do and... But then you, your contribution is that's what you do and, and what you get back is somewhere to live in a decent standard of living, whether you're a doctor or a dustman or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or what have you, yeah. yeah. And if you're sick, you get to go to a doctor and see a doctor and you get treated and the first thing you're not asked is where's your medical insurance? Right, right. You know, but I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, you know, like we were talking earlier, not even in a glib way. I mean, you look at, you know, there's not as many people dying on the roads at the moment under lockdown. Uh, the air is the air is so clean in London. They've been checking out the um, the actual monitors because they thought they were broken initially because the, the air is cleaner in London than ever. And I know this because I've got um, um, COPD, which is a, a lung disease. And I know, I, I know for a fact every day, I went through Liverpool Street yesterday. It was a ghost town. Um, but um, I know for a fact, I, I know for a fact when I walk through Liverpool Street that the air is cleaner because I can feel that on my lungs. I'm not coughing or, or struggling anymore when I walk through it. Apparently the air is 40% cleaner already. Wow. I know. Yeah. You, you know, and again, it's a good time to perhaps address some of these issues. I mean, maybe just take some of the, you know, just take the petrol and diesel cars off the road now. Why not? Nobody should be going anywhere anyway. Well, no, actually, you are, we are allowed to travel over here now and they, they have relaxed lockdown a little bit over here now. Uh, but maybe some of those, you know, let's let's build some more wind farms and actually get some of the polluting vehicles off the car, off the roads now. Now, now will be as good a time as any to to make some of those decisions as well. Surely. Oh, absolutely, I agree. Uh, speaking of the lockdown, though, and how rules have been relaxed uh, a little bit, what does that look like in your area? Are people taking things seriously? Are there is social distancing being practiced well? Are people masked? How is it over there? Well, again, it's like you know, in some you know, in, there's some people that are taking it very seriously and doing everything correctly. But then again, there's still parties in Hackney and and, and not being you know. So it it depends. I suppose it's like I, I mean, I haven't really got a, you know, I don't know what's going in New York or or you know or Paris or Berlin or whatever else what I do know over here is you know I know that socially distancing when I'm traveling on public transport people are trying to do that most people are masked most people are trying to keep a couple of seats between them so I think people are trying I think you know there's a lot of fear I think there's a lot of people pointing fingers at other people 
you know, that other people are doing this and doing that. I think, you know, just we just got to be responsible for our own behaviour, really. I mean, I know we got a cafe near us, and I was saying I, I popped out and got some shopping earlier, and I said to Charlotte when I came back, uh, Charlotte's my wife, by the way. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys outside. They were, you know, a whole bunch of them shaking hands before they went in different ways. And Charlotte was quite shocked by that. But I said, well, you know, they're grown-ups. This is the choices they make. I've got my mask on. I walk around them. That's, you know, I, that's all I can do. I, You know, um, I can't speak for them. I, I don't know why they are not taking the message on. I don't know why they think they're invincible. I, I don't know that. Yeah, that's fair. But I don't hate them. I don't want to be afraid of them, and I don't want to point the finger at them either. I, you know, I, it's you know, I, I think it's foolish. I think they could be they could have equally nice time standing a couple of meters apart from each other, and I don't think they have to shake hands when they say goodbye. But I don't know. I don't know why the message isn't getting through to some people. Yeah, because over here we've experienced a really cold spring in Toronto and it's finally started warming up since Victoria Day weekend. So people have been out and yesterday was a really bad example of everybody being out because the park downtown at Trinity Bellwoods was packed, yeah. which is outrageous because it makes it just makes me really angry because as somebody who's following the rules as best as I can, like in the most you know, rigid way because I'm trying to make sure that I'm not getting sick. I'm not transmitting to anybody else. It's just a really aggravating thing and not enough masks are being worn. On the other hand, masks are mandatory in New York. Even if you're going to take out your trash or check the mail, you need to have a mask on. So it's pretty tight there, but it also... Have they not made it mandatory in Spain as well now? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not 100 sure of that, but I think uh, I think I read something the other day where if you if you're out in Spain and you're not wearing a mask, you could be fined anything from like 600 dollars up, up 600 euros upwards. Wow. Uh, okay. I think well, I'll, 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 I'll stand corrected. Anyway, we should talk about something more fun. We should talk about art and movies and music <laughs> and stuff. Thank. Thank you. You read my mind because yeah, I agree. It's so difficult to <laughs> oh, not. Talk about this, but yeah. Well, but at least I didn't play Diamond Dogs this morning. It was a lad insane. So I went for Ziggy. I went for Ziggy in the States rather than his utopian album of Diamond Dogs. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about music. Let's talk about art. What have you been listening to? Well, other than Walt Disco, obviously. Oh, I've been super hooked on Walt Disco since you introduced that. Thank you. Uh, I've been following them on social media as well because they're making videos and they released a new single called Cut Your Hair. That's right, yeah, yeah. They're a ton of fun. Uh, again, it's that super like androgynous glam sort of post-punk thing going on, which is really brilliant. Um, the other thing I got super excited about is uh, it recently is Carpenter Brute did a score to a film called Blood Machines, which apparently is it's super sci-fi, super retro styled. Uh, there's a ton of arpeggio going on. Uh, so when you watch it, you're it, it's just this all encompassing experience of like 1984 in my mind. <laughs> um, apparently the film is a, a a sequel to a music video of theirs. And this is just a further extension of it, which it's really, really interesting. And it makes me want to fall down the Carpenter Brute uh, rabbit hole. But otherwise, we've had World Goth Day pass, and there have been a ton of music streams. And I've been really interested in hearing what other people are spinning. And it's been a really cool opportunity to go to different quote-unquote events online and see what are people spinning in Germany? What are people spinning in England? What are people spinning in Brooklyn or Chicago or in LA? So there's been a lot of variety as far as like, oh, that's cool. I haven't heard this song in a really long time or having a moment where I need to Shazam something because I'm like, what is this? This is fantastic. Yeah. So there's been a lot of a lot. Um, Yeah, Jay, what are you into right now? Um, I think mostly this past week I spent a lot of time listening to a lot of Randolph and Mortimer, which are actually from Sheffield. 
which is closer to oh, wow. Kevin's Harry the World. Yeah. They released a four-part series called Union of the Faithful. Uh, they worked with other artists, and uh, the first four weeks, it was all benefiting a donation to Disability of Sheffield. Okay. Who are they all talking with in Sheffield? You say they're um, working with other people in sort of Sheffield in that musical community. Do you know who else they're working with? They're working with any people like Moon Landings or Working Men's Club or people like that. Well, the people they were working with, it's it's more electronic uh, leaning. Um, the people they were working with, I don't know where they're based, but um, m- the four artists were Mila Steiner or Mila Steiner, uh, Vittorio Domango. Yeah, good luck with that one. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rouge and <laughs> Duelist. No, I think it's pretty tight uh, community. I think when um when Fat White Family and the Wheels fell off for them down here, they 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 went up there and spent quite a bit of time when when you know I I I, I don't I don't know that much about their their sort of personal um, issues and stuff, but I think there were quite a few and they sort of decamped to Sheffield to sort of get off certain substances and and get some work done and uh, that I think they they made some fairly good uh, contacts up in Sheffield. But um, and I guess in works well. Girl from Moon Landings ended up working with Working Men's Club. So, but it's fairly cool up there, sort of musically. There seems to be a lot of good stuff coming out of Sheffield at the moment. Really looking forward to the Working Men's Club album um, that's been put back because of lockdown. But um, I was really, really looking forward to catching them and uh, getting the album. But I think it's put back to autumn now. Yeah. And again, going back to buying records, because it's funny, there are a couple of record stores that have been open. Uh, They're making sales online. It's just, of course, with everybody requiring shipping, it's a bit of a clusterfuck because a lot of stuff is delayed between Canada Post and UPS and USPS and all, all the different services you can think of. Things have definitely been taking longer to get to people. But there's something so delicious about buying vinyl because having that that piece of having that piece of art in your hand and a lot of people are doing a lot of really beautiful things as far as offering like, Oh, well we've got different colors of vinyl depending on, you know, which version you want or, or if they're doing a marble effect or a splatter effect and then having that full size print of artwork on the cover and on the sleeves and all these other things. And it's funny because locally uh, Sonic Boom is open, which is our local record store, but they've limited one. It's only one of the floors and you're not rifling through the, the selections. You, you kind of have to tell the the staff what you want and they'll get it for you but at least they're still open and it's just yeah there is something really special about still being able to buy vinyl and um it's just waiting for it nowadays now you have to order it and wait for it to actually get to your house and hope that it actually gets to your house and and living downtown I'm always nervous about having packages stolen off of my porch. So that always becomes really complicated. But that's why you ship to me sometimes. This is true. <laughs> Tetsuo's just uh, on very, very limited hours. They've just reopened Final Japan in Tokyo. Uh, I think they're doing sort of really sort of um, very, they're doing like sort of one in the afternoon to so sort of four or five in the afternoon, I think. Rough Trade is still shipping. I mean, I've, um, I. Obviously, I had to make delivery of the um, uh, AM cassette to Rough Trade for Dispatch not so long ago, uh, about a month ago now, because that, that's gone out. Um, so we arranged for that. So, yeah, stuff's getting out. Rather interestingly, I mean, obviously, um, uh, Record Store Day's been put back and back and back, but um, Soft Cell have actually withdrawn from that and, and the grid. So what would have been available for their um offering for record store days is, is they're still in support of it but they've actually withdrawn the vinyl release and just selling it direct so hmm. i actually got a very nice um 10 inch soft sell um single come through the door a couple of days ago well not, not come through the door because my, my letterbox is only about six and a half inches wide so that wouldn't have quite worked but uh, <laughs> and that arrived intact and uh and it's really nice they, they stuck a few other bits and pieces in with the record as well they picked um, popped in a nice uh, flyer from their um, uh, from their big show from the O2 for a year uh, from a year or two back, and they popped a, a soft sell beer mat in there and stuff. So yeah, it was quite nice. It was quite nice. So, um, but yeah, it's it's nice to get your vinyl fix. 
Absolutely. Because you brought up Rough Trade uh, because you have that connection with Rough Trade and the label. How many releases does Transmission currently have? Uh, well, we've done, uh, so we, I've done the the AM single, which was the first release of 7-inch, Fascist Can't Dance. Then we did Trans Zero 2, which is the Camera Obscura single, single, Nina Bargain, which is great. It's like... Uh, well, I, I think it's great. That's why I put it out. Uh, it's like um, Grace Jones meets Yoko Ono remixed by, I don't know, Moby or something. I don't know. It's, it's just a great big old clash. It's it's awesome. It's so good. It sounds brilliant. It's really, really well marked as well. So, yeah, it was great. Then we did the cassette, which we did as Trans 13 because we thought, <laughs> lucky for some, but um, also um, the catalogue number 13, when Tony Wilson was giving out numbers, um, 13 was the number for factory for transmission by Joy Division. So I kind of thought, yeah, we'll have 13 for the cassette. And, you know, I wasn't quite sure how well a cassette would do, but we, we sold out on pre-sale. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't the biggest run of all time, but we sold out on pre-sale, so I was well pleased with that. And then we did, um, we actually did Trans 50 as well. But that was uh, Ewan's birthday party for his 50th in Stockholm last year. So we actually gave that a catalogue number as well. But um, that's it. That's it for to, uh, that's it at the moment. Um, there is a 12-inch recorded for AM, which is in the can, but we, we can't really get it out at the moment. Uh, there's other things I was talking about doing. Uh, I had a whole bunch of people uh, up for doing a Joe Meek uh, tribute album. A lot of East London artists and acts who, who, were, who were up for doing stuff. Uh, there's a band called Cowboy Flying Saucer that I'd love to put a single out for. Uh, they've got a couple of quite new things that have just gone up onto various um, platforms. I mean, you can check the videos out on YouTube. Um, I'd love to put a, a single out for them at some point. Uh, I've got a real penchant for Stanley Bad at the moment. He has this very quirky English sort of, I mean, Dylan's just a, a great, great musician who never remembers how any of these songs go. And he's very, very quirkly English uh, and writes songs about fish and um, Aspidella Zouche and, and places and just bonkers, but but brilliant as well. I'd like to do something with him at some point. I've been speaking to a guy called Ed who does a band called Extractor Fan, who I absolutely adore. They did a live, well, he did a live cast recently, an hour of uninterrupted um ad hoc sort of music that he did that was amazing, brilliant. So there's loads of people dotted about that I'd love to do stuff with. Of course, got the time, but I've got nobody to sell records to and haven't got the money because we haven't sold enough of the last single yet to do the next one. So, Do you have a web shop that people could purchase from or are you doing shipping or...? Jay, this is me you're talking to. I'm the worst businessman in the world. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> you know, obviously I've got like the... I've got the old Facebook pages. So I keep saying, oh, I really need a digital shop. I really need a shop, really. You know, we yeah, we put, put little ads up. You know, I mean, basically, people just want to message me or, you know, or, which is how most people find me. They'll find us, you know, just send a message to transmission uh, Facebook page. We, we generally, yeah, I can sort something up quite quickly. We've been we've been talking for a little bit. We should drop a track in here. Uh, Kevin, what would you pick to drop in here? I would love to play a track by um, another guy who was, who was up for doing the um, Joe Meek tribute album. It was a guy called uh, Phil MFU, a uh, man from Uranus. Now, he's been doing a, um, stuff as part of Vanishing Twin, which I think was one of the top 20 rough trade albums of last year. But um, he's just done a series of tracks, which are sort of pretty out there, but quite sort of Joe Meekish as well. So um, I actually got a link I can send to you later uh, of, uh, of a track by Phil that would be perfect right now.
Kevin, in the before times, before we were locked down, you were throwing several transmission events. Yeah, um, I was. Um, I've got my um, my sort of regular night just up in Claps, and have been going quite well. Trying to build that up. Yeah, doing doing um, yeah, um, sort of DJ uh, DJ stuff and that. But again, that's um, that's obviously ground to a bit of a halt of late. Got to go live sometimes. Uh, I've got a separate transmission page for. Um, uh, club transmission i did um yeah I, I go live sometimes on on there and stuff just sort of unannounced and ad hoc really if i've got a few new tracks that I've, I've, I've picked up over the course of a few weeks play some bits on there i did um obviously i did something for uh, ian curtis's 40th uh the anniversary of his passing the other day and um played a half an hour a, a short short joy division set um which warner brothers closed down which was um, towards the end of the set. They, um, but um, a friend of mine had a bit of a rant about it on um, uh, on one of the um, um, social media platforms, and um, I actually got a message from Warner's later on, and they actually relinquished their rights to it, uh, which I thought was kind kind of sort of nice, um, yeah, and the right decision as well. You know, um, it was you know. It, I suppose technically it was copyright infringement, but I was just, you know, I suppose if I need to broadcast from my house, I need a PRS license, I guess. It's definitely been a challenge for DJs because, uh, yeah, any sort of streaming on YouTube and Facebook have been nuts because if the algorithm picks up that it's a copywritten song, then all of a sudden you get muted, you get shut down, and it becomes a whole thing. But they they did um, they did actually sort of release their uh, relinquish their rights on this particular one, so it means it is up there. You can actually see it, which I thought was really nice of them actually. Uh, and I guess it was in response to my friend's sort of post on social media. It was just kind of got, it was just basically because um, it wasn't, you know, it was just done as a tribute and it was just done as a, as a little thing. You know, I basically pulled out all my sevens that I've got a Joy Division and just played them all back to back. I didn't plan what sort of set I was going to do. Just kind of went live in the afternoon unannounced, played a few Joy Division songs for half an hour and then and then and, and then that was it really. So it was no big hoo-ha really. But um, yeah, they've um, yeah Warner's music um, have, um, done a done a uh, done a U turn on that and and um, yeah, it was it was the right thing to do. But what I uh, was going to bring up was the fact that when you were doing live events in public spaces, hey, we remember going places and doing stuff. I was in London last year and got an opportunity to DJ with you for yeah. an event that was held at the Constitution in Camden and. I have to say it was such a delightful evening of all sorts of different people participating in this event. The event was called Trash. It was dedicated to uh, 1970s New York scene. And it was a lot of fun. Met several burlesque performers through that event and Dirty Viv. Yay, Ed. And I did give you and I did give him the button you gave me for him as well. Awesome. Awesome. You did get it. You did get it. It was a while later. It wasn't, but it was a. It was a. It was a good few months after. But um, yeah, he did get it. And and um, Ed was. Um, uh, he was going to uh, do a track for um, Joe Meek album for me as well. Can't remember which track he said he was going to do, but it was spot on. It was a good choice. Can't remember which one it was though. For listeners who are not familiar, how would you describe Dirty Viv? <laughs> I wanted to give a shout out to Dirty Viv because the the performance was. Awesome. I'm not familiar, so explain it to me. How's that? <laughs> well, he's my... I don't know, he's just the epitome of trash, really, isn't he, I suppose? He's just uh, uh, a slaggy transvestite that just plays uh, uh, you know, great guitar and just trashes it out, really. Uh, he's in very much, to my mind, the vein of something like New York Dolls or... Um, uh, yeah, maybe a touch of the Stooges or yeah, but it's all done in a very, you know, it's, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but he's serious with the music he does as well. But it's, uh, it's just his own thing. It's just like, and he, and he very obviously could not care less if you like him or not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so one of those very in your face style performers. Kind of, but it's not even that in your face. I mean, he's just there. And um, I mean, he's, he's not. You know, obviously, if you don't like men in tights, you might feel a little bit provoked. But um, he's not. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think he's as overtly confrontational as perhaps like the Mary Chain were, or 
or, or some of those bands that have gone out to actually seek controversy, controversy if you like, or, or to use controversy as a as a as a tool by way of getting you know renowned and stuff. But yeah, if you don't like Men in Tights, you ain't gonna like it. <laughs> well, that and he also performs uh, sometimes as a two piece, sometimes as a four piece. He's very versatile in how the songs yeah. are being performed. Yeah, well, he's, there's that, that, again, I mean, I, I, I quite often sort of describe him as the hard, hardest man, working man in showbiz. I mean, he literally gigs all the time. I mean, and like, as you quite rightly say, he'll play, he'll play solo, he'll play as a two-piece, three-piece, four-piece, whatever suits the venue. Um, he's just out there playing. You know, he'll, you know, he'll play in a pub, he'll play in a restaurant, he'll, he'll you know, he'll play in a town square. Literally just... Just give him, that, you know, give him an amp to plug into and a mic, and he'll and he'll make it work. You know, I mean, I've seen him do stuff by himself, with just drum machine, hmm. um, and it's 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 equally entertaining. But it, but you know, but basically, he's got the songs right. You know, they they are they. You know, it's like what was that famous quote from the Ramones about? You know, it's so it, you know, it takes smart to you know, it takes smarts to be dumb. Or, or something like that. It's that sense in which, you know, on the surface, you know, his, his songs are quite sort of dumb rock and roll. But when I say that, there's nothing, nothing dumb about it. It's only as dumb as it's no dumber than. Oh God, I'm getting myself into trouble here, aren't I? No, it's. He's going to come after me now. He's going to come after me and hit me with a stiletto. No, I love, <laughs> I love his stuff, and it is dumb, but it, but it takes smarts to be dumb, you know. So you know, and he he loves the Ramones and. It's it, yeah, it's very much in that sort of Ramonesy kind of kind of thing, you know, quite you know, quite upbeat rock and roll in drag. Yeah, and his Instagram feed is is very entertaining. Mm. It's always it's always awesome, and yeah, dirty slag is is definitely the appropriate way to describe him. Yeah, and and he'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> The other person who I was introduced to through that event was also Madam Crumpet. How would how did that partnership uh, come about? Um, I, I have no idea. I mean, again, um, I mean, lovely Rachel. Just she asked. Um, I can't remember if she asked. Yeah, it must have been Rude Mechanicals. Must have played there first. So she must have asked Rude Mechanicals to play there. And I guess I don't know who would have been the point of contact for that. And I think I think I think literally we just sort of chipped up and like just hit it off sort of thing. It's just like oh yeah, you know, it's like oh yeah, I know what you like because yeah, do you know what I mean? She, I didn't know that, for instance, you know, she had connections to Leeds and the Leeds Festival, and she had such you know roots, perhaps going back a little bit into perhaps the goth scene and the alternative scene as much as that. I, I didn't know anything about her background at all. I just kind of thought she ran this really really cool little cabaret club and we played and we we became sort of mates basically I, th- I think i think when i got there and i found out that we had a rider and she was going to buy me a glass of wine i thought you're my friend <laughs> <laughs> i think it's as simple as that really and we just kind of hit it off and then you know and we've done other stuff afterwards and i said yeah you know we were talking afterwards and i said i think you'd like the band the other band i'm in spew because obviously she you know she'd met um Sharen that night as well because obviously was Sharen playing sax and obviously she met cars that were cosplayers guitar for speed so half of us were there anyway and i think she kind of went yeah okay then with you know sort of um without even hearing the band just kind of thought well yeah if these guys are involved with that band of course i want them on and so i think we went to play there with spew a few weeks later and uh that was good fun as well and just went on from there really yeah, Madam Madam Crumpet is a really awesome burlesque performer. She sings, she dances, she takes her clothes off. It's it's all the things. Well, if she had any clothes on in the first place to take off, this is true. That that could <laughs> that that's a thing. But um, again, I mean, you know, she's yeah, she's an artist. You know, she's um, I mean, she teaches burlesque, and it is about you know, it's it's about what you don't see, isn't it? Let's be, you know, it's uh, it's about the tease. It's about um, and and rock and rolls. You know, she's she's clued in with the rock and roll thing as well. I think she's actually expanding sexy Nirvana a little bit because she used to do these little do these little segments of um, like one minute little little pieces between sort of acts and stuff. But I think they're trying to expand on that or going to expand on that. So I think that will be, I think that will be really good, actually. Sexy Nirvana. 
Sexy Nirvana. <laughs> oh, we're going to have so many links that we have to include in the show notes for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it's it's really, it's interesting to hear what's going on across the pond and, and what's happening in this particular circle. Because uh, those influences of glam and funk and punk and just dirty rock and roll, it's 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 so influential to all these other things that if you love music, you're you're just going to want to consume all of it. Well, of course. Well, I suppose I mean the archetypal artist that sort of actually incorporated all those things together was Prince, I guess. Really, wasn't it? It he, you know, didn't hurt him wearing tights, did it? And a, and a Mac. Yeah, I've seen some, That's right. I've seen some controversy doing okay. You know, yeah. nothing, nothing wrong with a man in tights. <laughs> but um, I suppose he, I suppose he really is. Like I say, he he brings all those things together, doesn't he? You know, the glam, the dirty glam guitars of T Rex, or you know, the androgyny, the the little bit of you know, sort of sleaziness. But again, there's always that sort of wink in his eye as well. You know, it's all done in in you know, with a little bit of a wink and a smile. Again, you know, someone like Little Richard who died recently, there was certainly elements of Little Richard there for sure. Um, hmm. So, yeah, pu- pulling all those strands together to make something of your own, you know, but um, taking all those things from the best places, learn from the best. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a, a really cool book at the moment um, about uh, Mark Bolan written by a lady called uh, Leslie Ann Jones, which is worth a read. It's just called Ride a White Swan, so it's quite easy to find out. Um, I, I, I only picked it, I picked it up in a charity shop just before lockdown and just started reading it. Hmm. Nice. That's that's a really good read. And I, I'd read a Bowie book, uh, yet another Bowie book just before that. And it's quite interesting because they're, they're writing from the, the two different perspectives of that sort of early 70s sort of thing. So you do get a bit of Mark in David's book and you get a bit of David in Mark's book and the sort of perspective. But I think quite rightly in Rider White Swan it says, yeah, it does point out that Mark Bonham was head and shoulders, like definitely the king of glam and not David Bowie. You know, if you want to take it to record sales, if you want to take it to, you know, who put the glitter on the face first. I mean, any way you want to, you want to shake it. I think, um, you know, I think uh, Mark Bowling pips him. But, uh, and again, Mark lived, um, Mark was brought up from just around the corner from where I live as well. So, so. Oh, wow. Oh wow! So there's that, yeah. which is quite nice as well. In fact, he in fact he went to school in um in sp- literally in spitting distance. Not you can do that at the moment. In, you know, I wouldn't recommend spitting at the moment. Uh, yeah, you'll get some nasty glares. Yeah, uh, and if you're wearing a mask and you spit, then you're just stupid. Um, That's just gross. Yeah, ain't gonna work. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you might. Oh man. Anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, he went to school literally uh, across the road from where I, I had my regular DJ set uh, up in Clapton, which uh, well, Steak New Insulin, darling. It's Clapton, really. Oh, cool. Oh, we've talked about, we've gone all over the place. Yeah, all from, over the place. From the, the label to music to more music to events. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, funny enough as well, we're talking about sort of movies and how, how the movie industry is going to work sort of at the moment. I mean, going straight to... Uh, Netflix or something like that, I guess, because um, uh, obviously Charlotte's involved with sort of music industry as well. You know, far more than me, far more successful. And um, you know, talking about well, how bomb, uh, how a bomb film is going to go straight to TV. Well, I guess in this day and age, I mean, a hell of a lot of people have got forty-inch TVs and surround sound and whatever else. A bomb movie goes straight to Netflix, or, or, or again, I mean, it seems like Apple are making a big play now. In that sort of area, they're producing their own TV and their own movies now, aren't they, Apple? Yeah. I mean, I think the next couple of years, Apple are going to definitely shoulder in there and make sure they get a good hunk of that business. We're probably going to see a lot more of uh, individual movie companies putting out their own distribution, which is problematic in its own way. I don't want 15 subscriptions. That's why I got rid of cable. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, well, I mean, I mean, how is it going to work? I mean, perhaps perhaps on digital TV or something like that, people are rent state, uh, uh, rent space within that for a period of time, whether it be a few days or a week or a month or something on, on like a let basis, to, which would like a, uh, perhaps the independent sort of and smaller um, sort of companies could do that uh, and, and rent a channel for a month so they can make, a movie available for like one month or something and uh, put it up there in lieu of people being able to go to the cinema. The cinema experience is good, but then again, you know, if you're sitting in there, with, you know, in front of like a bunch of people that just want to talk through it or other, other people that want to throw popcorn about when you're trying to actually watch a movie, 
it's um and it's expensive to cut the pictures. Yeah, I mean, can I be. Think, yeah, you know, I mean, we've got we got a fairly nice cinema at the top of our high street, uh, which is refurbed just a few years ago. Actually, no, actually, it wasn't even refurbished; it was a new build. And it's a really nice little complex, and I think the smallest screen in there is. 30 seats or something and then for the real big movies you've got a couple of hundred seats in there so they've got about five or six screens but it's like if we go up there i mean you know if we, we go up there watch a movie buy some popcorn blah, 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 it's like we've done we've done 30 or 40 quid you know yeah. uh, you know go straight to dvd you can you know buy on amazon for 10 quid or stream it i mean it's, it's kind of cheaper and you get to watch it again and you haven't got people talking through it. Well, unless it's your own family, but you can actually turn around and tell them to shut up. <laughs> right, right. <I> mean, <laughs> or if, or you can or you can pause when you need to that, go yeah, to the yeah. washroom. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I I tell people to shut up in the theater. <laughs> yeah, well, well yeah, you're, you're, you're bigger than me, Jay. How's <laughs> that beard going? Uh, I had to shave it down. Um, no. we're going, I'm going back to work and that requires a mask. And if I'm going to wear, a ma- you know, it's hair, it'll grow back. I'm hearing you. Yeah. 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 You got to get a good seal on that mask, mate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, Oh, I thought it was so, uh, it was, you know, I got, I got compliments on it. I thought you were looking kind of hungry, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh mate, seriously. Uh, honestly, it's- it's really funny what 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 facial hair can do for you. I I did um I did Movember last year. Uh, so I grew I grew a moustache. It's for like um, predominantly raising money for sort of men's health issues, mental health, uh, prostate cancer, those kind of things. I hated it. And Charlotte was that keen either. <laughs> and uh, and it wasn't the best mo you've ever seen ever. But as this um uh. uh a girl of a similar girl, well, woman, similar age to myself and Charlotte and stuff, lives a few doors up, you know. And uh, she was just so excited that I was growing this moustache, uh, like to the point, you know, she she gushed about how good this moustache looked to me, and I, I was quite embarrassed to the point of embarrassment almost. I was just like, or, or are you just taking the, the piss here? <laughs> I actually started mine for November as well. Wow, you you did well. I started mine for November probably about six years ago. And then, you know, when I got to the other side of the winter, when it when it warmed up, I'm like, man, I'm sweating like crazy. And I shaved it off. And my ex looked at me and said, oh, it's your face. It looks weird. And that was it. I just grew it back. Hello. <laughs> well, I remember Kevin had a disclaimer that, uh, yes, this was a mustache for November. And yes, that you were very aware that it was looking like a porn stash. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was coming off after November, so. Man, you know what? I was really good. Now, um, at the end of that week, a lot of uh, we was coming up to the weekend. A lot of people that I was growing that tash with, they shaved them. They shaved them off on the Friday night for the weekend. Now we were going to Primal Scream on the Saturday, and I think the first of the next month was the Sunday. So I I even kept mine on to go and see Primal Scream on the Saturday, and didn't cut mine off to the Sunday. And you go see that, that's that's commitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's go back. We were talking about uh, the how movies are probably going to change on the other side of this. What else uh, are you thinking about as far as what's going to change on the other side? Because I know Shopify, which uh, has a base here in Toronto, they have determined that there will no longer be any Shopify offices. They're going to be working from home on a permanent basis, which... There's some goods and bads on either side of that. What else are you thinking about as far as the changes that are going to be made moving forward? I have no idea uh, how, you know, this is a good time for reflection, isn't it? It's like, I mean, I think one one of the nice things from this is we say, well, you know, can we work for home? That's good for, obviously, the environment. We can take some stress off the environment if we don't have to travel to work one or two days a week. That's a good thing. I think that's something that should continue where it's all possible. Another thing, it's like, um, why don't we shut the shops on Sunday like we used to? Shops never used to open on Sunday when I was a kid. Or, or like the, co- the corner shop newsagent might have might done up until sort of midday or one o'clock so you could get your Sunday morning paper and a bottle of pop. But um, shops didn't open on Sunday. Hmm. Yeah, that's actually, that's a really interesting point because 
I remember shops, certain shops not being open on Sundays because it was that pause. And moving forward with the uh, dawn of the internet and everybody being available 24-7 and always being connected and always working all of the time, that people wanted their conveniences. So if you weren't open on like, of course you'd be open on a Sunday. Why wouldn't you be open until X time of the, the day and night? But I, I think you're making a very good point in that like having this opportunity to slow down and reflect is, is really valuable right now. Well, we could, we could almost have like a lockdown day once a week where we don't travel, we don't shop, we take time out with our families and friends, hopefully you know, being able to spend time with our friends. We don't do any, any of the commercial type things, so we don't go shopping for, yeah, shopping's almost, you know, in a lot of places and a lot of, for a lot of people is almost like a, um, uh, a, you know, a social exercise, isn't it? Which is good. I understand you're going shopping with your friends, maybe you're choosing clothes or going shopping as a family, food shopping, that that, that can be fun. can also be highly stressful. I don't go food shopping with your family. Uh, <laughs> yep. Ever, sure. you know, lockdown or otherwise, don't do it. It's, it's foolish beyond belief. But, um, yeah, why not have a lockdown day once a week, take that pressure off the transport system, uh, you know, off of nature, off of the environment. Let's lock down once a week. We just spend time with our families, watch a movie if it's nice enough to spend, you know, spend time in the garden. Or, no, or don't go to work for a week, uh, you know, for a day. Just have a chill. Be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Be nice to have some chill out time. That would mean 52 days a year we take, we take that pressure off the environment, the infrastructure. As somebody who works cool, in, in a shop, it's uh, I'd agree. If I could have one static day yeah. off a week, that would be amazing for me. I guess if you, I guess if you run a church, you might want to open it on Sunday morning. It's <laughs> yeah, a different but, conversation. You know, actually, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it, you know, go to you know your church, your place of worship, your your special place. I mean, our special place might be just going to the park, hanging with friends. Our special place might be our backyard. For other people, it might be their church, their place of worship. That's fine. But we all get to spend time with our families and go to our special place. I think we can all say amen to that. I dig I, that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Let's wrap it up here. We're we're at about an hour. Kevin, is there anything, any final words you want to leave us with uh, as we as we wind down here? Uh, no, just a pleasure talking as always. Um, st- you know, stay safe. Let's hope that, um, you know, we can get together uh, uh, in the not too distant future. But if we can't, let's, let's use what's available to us to stay in touch and, all, you know, try and keep each other, all, all try and keep each other positive. You know, we all have up days and down days. I've had plenty of down days. I've had days just sitting in my bed kind of going, what's the point? Literally. And other days I feel quite buoyant, you know, so I think it's all, it's all like a roller coaster, isn't it? But yeah, we just all got to try and help each other and not be too. When when if we see people not doing the right thing, you know, it's it's not their fault we're in this situation, and you know, try not to sort of point, you know, blame other people and stuff like that, and let's just all look after each other. Yeah, that's I think that's it. And that wraps it up for the episode. We've got tons of links for you in the show notes, and you can reach out to Kevin via Facebook at Transmission Boutique Record Label hyphen London. Many thanks to our producer, Justin Minister, to Robin Bright for our theme music, and to Marion Green for our logo, which we have available on stickers. I've been mailing those out on Tuesdays to both Canada and the US. You can order yours at morbidoutlook.com sticker. Proceeds from those sales are helping us to defray costs. If you'd be so kind to like, share, and subscribe, it also means a lot to us. Feedback can also be sent our way at it's midnight somewhere podcast at gmail.com. There's been a lot going on in the world this week, and we hope that talking about music and art is a beacon in all the chaos. I know that's why we love doing a podcast about music, and we did a little fundraising at the last Prophecy for Black Lives Matter. If you have the means to donate, please do so. Until next time, it's always okay to punch a Nazi. It's midnight, somewhere. It's midnight. It's midnight, This podcast was almost called Coffin Talk because we're basic.